times. That's <clears throat> what I'm good at. <laughs> good at being bad. Yeah, yeah. God damn it, there's a song bad, that would... Yeah. <laughs> bad to the bone. <laughs> that is definitely not the beat. I think you mixed <laughs> Michael Jackson's version with that classic country yeah, rock well, song. Yeah, well, it's my song. Because <laughs> I'm bad, bad to the bone. <laughs> Billy Jean. It's not bad. American girls. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. Why are we talking like that? I have no fucking idea. We just got off work. I'm tired. But I'm here. Yeah. And I'm sure by the time you guys hear all of this, COVID is a thing of the past. No, probably not. The world's healed. Probably not. The war's ended. Probably not. And the Nightmare Box is presenting Mistakes Were Made. <laughs> <laughs> My name is no optimism. No, uh, my name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the soon-to-be Mrs. Bloom, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> I think my ring will hopefully be here, maybe tomorrow. Um, Fuck yeah! Surely by the time this airs, it'll be here. But yeah, all it says is in transit, arriving on time. Yep, and then we're gonna take it and we're gonna dunk it in bleach, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the box and all. <laughs> you excited? Uh, for the ring or for the podcast? Either. I mean, some some, some semblance. <laughs> Just of the, the podcast, okay. not, not the yeah, All not right. the rest. Well, <laughs> I figured, I figured that's how my love life would end. <laughs> uh, but we're here today to do another edition of the two, 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 star, 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 two, 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 stays, days, 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 days. We haven't done one of these in a while. I'm pretty fucking pumped about it. Yeah, it was a pretty fun one. It was a pretty fun one. I saw this movie when it first came out way back in 2014. And that movie is As Above, So Below. On IMDb, we scored a 6.2. Not bad. Pretty good. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, however, the critics rated this at 26%. Which seems a little harsh. Very harsh. I love this movie. The audience score was a 40%. My dog is burying a bone. Um, <laughs> why start one of these on a fucking high note, Jax? Uh, but yeah, the audience... The IMDb score is fair, like six, yeah. whatever. I you, think you'd fair. give it about a 60% if you were to do it in a percentage? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd sit there. 65, maybe 70, somewhere in that range. Teetering. above 65. Well, the problem is, and we'll get into it the last 20 minutes of this movie, but I was in love with it right up until the last 20. Yeah. Um, this thing was produced by Legendary Entertainment and Universal Pictures. Everybody knows Universal legendary is not so legendary as of right now but you've seen movies by these guys they did inception and they did the uh batman trilogy that had the really cool joker that uh christian bale batman trilogy was all that was legendary oh that's interesting yeah they might have paired with universal for that one as well but that was in their credits so i felt it necessary to write it down they've had a few hits exactly um the budget for this was $5 million. Its worldwide gross as of right now is $41.9 million. So, I'm kind of surprised it was that cheap of a movie to make. Well, that's what we were talking about when they were doing it. I mean, a lot of that was probably just, you know, getting the equipment into the catacomb. But yeah. it was a pretty low yeah, budget. Spoiler alert, that's one of my trivia things. Oh, well, the movie is about people in the catacombs. <laughs> but we'll get there. Um the writer and director for this, the writing team, is a band of brothers. Uh, that's John Eric Dowdle and Drew Dowdle, and John directed this thing. But, once again, you've seen some stuff by these guys before. Because John directed Quarantine, 
And his brother, Drew, who helped him write this one, was the screenwriter executive for Quarantine. That's kind of so, neat. Yep. So they made Quarantine 1 for sure. They're all about isolated horror films, apparently. <laughs> I can't remember if uh, both of them worked on Quarantine 2, but I know for a fact that they were both on Quarantine 1. Nice. Fuck yeah. Um, characters? Uh, yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, our character list is Scarlet. She's our MC. She's played by Perdita Weeks. Uh, then you've got George. He's the boyfriend. Um, ex-boyfriend... Whatever his exact... I mean, I, by, signals. By the end, I'm assuming that they fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Feldman. Uh, you might recognize him from Friday the 13th, 2009. He played a guy named Richie. Probably just some teenager who got killed. I don't remember you know, all the names of all the people that get killed by Jason Voorhees. And you got Benji, my dude, the cameraman. Uh, he was played by Edwin Hodge, and he was in The Purge election year in 2016. He played Danny Bishop. Nice. You a fan of The Purge movies? I don't think I saw that far into them. I've seen like the first two, maybe. I think I've seen all of them except the last one that came out, which was like The First Purge. I haven't yeah. seen that one. Yeah, I think I've only seen the first two. I liked the first one a lot. The second one, I was kind of like, oh, we're just redoing it. The Purge, we'll have to do a two-star on The Purge, because there's no way that that does not count. But uh, The Purge, for me, was always like such a brilliant concept that they never fully fleshed out. But we'll save that for another podcast. Uh, then we got Papillon, the leader. He's played by Francois C.V., <laughs> That's fun. Spelled civil. Yeah, the, the the people that were the French people were actual French people, I'm guessing, nice. based on their they names. Have convincing accents. So. Yeah. Uh, then you got Susie with an X. It's Suxi, I think, is actually how you pronounce it. Okay, Suxi with an X. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, they've uh, <laughs> said it a few times in the movie. I'm pretty sure it's Suxi. She's the female in the group, and she is played by Marion Lampert or Marion Lampert. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. And then you got Zed. <laughs> Much more plain sounding compared Mr. to the other names. Mr. Happy Birthday himself, Ali Marihar, M A R H Y A R, Marihar, I think is it's close. Sure. <laughs> then Latu, the lost friend that they find down in the abyss, and he's played by Cosme Castro. Fun. I'm going to yeah. butcher all of these names. <laughs> I know Papillon is definitely pronounced Papillon, and I'm pretty sure Suxi is Suxi. I will probably end up calling Latou Latoup. <laughs> Let, let's help. It's okay. They're French. <laughs> so my apologies in advance. I don't speak French, and I don't have the flair to pronounce these names. Eh, you don't need flair. You just got to lose a bunch <laughs> of wars and not wear deodorant. <laughs> um, trivia. Mom's from England. I have a, a. It's in my blood to despise the French. <laughs> And the Irish, and the but Irish. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> so trivia. Trivia. Um, I got some things. You got some things. Yeah, this is the first production company ever to secure permission from the French government to film in the catacombs. So this movie was legit, actually shot in the catacombs. In the catacombs. So if I want to go so bad. Yeah, me too. But I'm not <laughs> not to France. Not just in to this the way. catacombs. <laughs> I don't want to go in the way they do it in this movie. But sure, I'd like to go and stay on the tour guide yeah. trail. Um, but because it was filmed in the catacombs, that means the piano that you see underground and the burning car are both actually in the catacombs. Yeah. They had 
like a company tow it down there for them and then tow it back out when they <laughs> How were done. fucking nerve-wracking is that? That has to be $4 million of the budget where it's like, okay, do not hit the walls of the catacomb. Yeah. Because that's got to be a tight fucking squeeze. Yeah, or if they had not gotten all the gas out of the car or something and it had exploded. Yeah. Like, I... Well, apparently they lit it on fire down there. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying, though. Like, like if... that wasn't, like, in the studio. It's yeah, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. If they had, like, not gotten all the gas out of the tank and then yeah. lit the car on fire yeah. and then went, oh, shit, and it exploded. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't believe they got permission to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it goes without saying, this thing's heavily paralleled with Dante's Inferno from the Divine Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to have a whole bunch of details about that, but this is not a podcast about Dante's I Inferno. I do have some details you for do? when we get into the goods. Okay, I'm cool. not going to talk about them now, but yeah, I had that as one of my There were trivia. like full-blown breakdowns of all the circles, and I was like, I I'm not... I have some of them. Yeah, I don't... I, it, I've got a week to produce this show. I, <laughs> I don't have time to sit back and read... Dante's Inferno again. Like, I'm not doing that. I have some of them. We're not going to touch on all the circles of hell, but we'll touch on the ones that are relevant the to this circles movie. circles of hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did think that's probably my favorite part about this movie, that it is um, heavily influenced by Dante's Inferno. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of really cool little moments in the movie where um, they're like subtle nods to the... Yeah. Uh, the circles. Yeah. The different challenges that they had to go through in hell. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and the only way out is in. Oh my god! Or down. You gotta crawl. You gotta crawl down Satan's back. That's the way out. Do you got any more trivia? Uh, Nope. I've got two more. Go for it. Because I wanted to do a whole section just on the catacombs, and I remembered that this is also not a podcast about the catacombs. So (laughs) I I have two two catacomb details. I wanted to do it like when we did stitches, and I had all those clown facts. But in order to explain the history of the catacombs, you gotta like deep dive, and I did not have that kind of time this week. but I do have two things for you, two things for you. Construction began in 1774, which blew my mind. I thought they were a shitload older than that, because uh, our country is two years younger than the catacombs. Um, they were established in 1810, and they were built due to the collapsing of mass graves throughout the city. Uh, they now hold over six million remains. That's creepy. Yeah, so you can walk through, you can see them. I want to. They're probably legit haunted. Yeah. People are going to be like, I want to go see the big tower. And it's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I want to go see that clock he fixed that he in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then my other fact is a much creepier fact, which I believe might be where they came up with their Latou character. Philibert Asper. I don't know how you even kind of French up the first name. So Phil um, was a... 62-year-old man who disappeared in 1793, so they're building the catacombs at this period, uh, disappeared, he climbed down into one of the hatches, and his body was found 11 years later. So he legit went down there and starved to death in the catacombs. And there's apparently a plaque on the wall right where they found his body that they've basically made him a part of the catacombs. That's kind of neat that they put a dedication to him. Yeah, they couldn't find him for shit. And then they, I guess they were just continuing their their build, and they were like, holy fucking dead guy. Do you have any idea if like the reference in the movie where they're talking about part of the city collapsed into the catacombs, if that's real? Like, I, you... I don't know if it collapsed into the catacomb. I just know that the mass graves had collapsed, and that's what caused them to build the catacombs. Hmm. But apparently they've used this thing and like even up to World War II to get rid of, you know, Nazis and stuff like that. So 
kind of like the Tower of London. You're like, oh, well, that shit happened way back in the day. And it's like, no, that shit was activated in the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a lot of dead people. We need to figure out where to put them. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. We had this creepy idea to, you know, turn our sewer system into a cadaver playground. Fun times. Fuck yeah. (laughs) So you want to dive us into our plot? Sure. What's going on here, Kristen Pennington? So, Scarlet is basically the horror version of Nicolas Cage from National Treasure. I thought you said the horror version. Yes, the horror yeah, version. It's the horror version, that harlot. No, I, that's just how I pronounce horror. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she's like super obsessed with finding the Philosopher's Stone. It was like her dad's life's work and yeah. um, it pretty much drove him mad. He killed himself and so she's carrying on this work to find the Philosopher's Stone. Finally goes to Iran and discovers like the mm-hmm. one clue that she needs and um, recruits her ex-boyfriend because he speaks what language was it? What, was it Aramaic? Yeah, it was Aramaic, that's right. Um, so he's the she doesn't speak Aramaic, she's fluent in several languages, mm-hmm. but not that so she hunts down her ex-George She's and... like, I speak five languages and four dead ones <laughs> yeah. I bet you're fun at Christmas parties <laughs> So she talks George into translating this essential like Rosetta Stone yeah. uh, that she found and the cats are losing their shit. Guys, we do not have a podcast studio. We have a one bedroom apartment. I need you to settle. <laughs> and um, there's a little bit of resentment there because she accidentally got George locked up on one of their yeah. adventures together in Turkey. In a, in a Turkish prison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she goes, it wasn't a prison, it was in a jail. And he goes, fine, a Turkish jail then. <laughs> Drags him all the way up until they're um, at the entrance of the catacombs. They find a local group of uh, hooligans, grave robbers. I don't know. (laughs) I don't really know what we would call these people. They're definitely um, modern day spelunkers, (laughs) breaking the law for sure. Um, So they help her sneak into the catacombs so that they can sneak into like Mm -hmm. a... Off-limits area. Yeah, off-limits area so that she can try to find the Philosopher's Stone. And she pretty much cons George up until the last minute because George doesn't want to go. And then the cops show up and then George has to go. Which is also a nod to Dante's Inferno. (laughs) Um, And then while they're exploring the catacombs, part of the cave system caves in and they end up having to go down this other path that apparently mm-hmm. everybody knows is evil and you're not supposed to go that way and it leads them into the pits of hell. Yeah. And, and it so, gets crazy. Yeah, and so um, the whole movie is basically them trying to figure out how to survive the circles of hell and <laughs> come out the other side. <laughs> Speaking of tunnels caving, that gave me an idea for a bad because I forgot to write that down. Oh, okay. Uh, so want to get into the goods? Yeah. Can I start with my top good? Yes. Uh, no, I'm going to save my top good, just in case it doesn't get brought up, because it might be a bad on your list. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Uh, my favorite part of this entire film, for real though, outside of what is my hilarious top good, uh, is Benji's panic attack in that enclosed area. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But Benji um, is like their main camera dude, and they're having to climb over these bones and only like four feet of clearance, so like it's a very tight... Tight he's shot. kind of a bulkier yeah. dude. And he's a huskier guy. And uh, he's having to push the camera in front of him, which is only slowing him down and creating more problems for him. And he gets stuck. And this movie holds for almost the exact right amount of time with like these crazy jumpy shots and the screaming and all that tight 
close yeah. in darkness. And the shots on him the whole time, and you can hear like Scarlet up ahead of him, like begging him to like move a little bit yeah. and stop like freaking out because she's like, I can't get through because you're like doing all this stuff, shuffling around. She's like, please stop moving. He's like, no, you gotta go, keep going. <laughs> and like, it's a cool way that they do it because you never really leave Benji's perspective, but yeah. you can hear like a distant voice shouting at him, like begging him to like settle down. And he's like increasingly more panicked. It feels like a claustrophobic panic attack. Like, there were several moments throughout, and I'm sure we'll dive into more of them, where like this is a very tense film, especially if you are claustrophobic. Yeah. It, yeah, it, there were less at the end, but especially yeah. at the beginning, there were a lot of moments where I was like, I'm feeling kind of anxious too. <laughs> like I would not have crawled into a weird bone tunnel. I would have been like, no. nope. No. Kristen was like, why didn't they just scoop out all the, the bones? bones. <laughs> like that would have made so much more sense. Like scoop the bones out of the way. And on rethinking your theory, I was like, well, they can't, you know, bastardize these sacred resting places. It's like, well, they are technically crawling over the, yeah, the top of and them. And shoving them out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. they definitely could have just, hey, I'm going in first. Here's a bone. Huh, a femur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could have, like, scooped out on the front end, and yeah. then when you got close to the end, kind of shoved them forward. Like, there's... And they make it out like it's a regular tunnel that people go through, because the other way yeah. that they end up having to go through is boarded up. So everybody that goes that way takes that tunnel, including, I'm assuming, the creepy naked women. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody has ever thought, maybe we should move the bones out of the way. Yeah, that, that would not feel good on bare breasts. No. Yeah, so. Uh, cool shot, but I would have moved the bones. <laughs> I, my ass would not have been crawling in there. <laughs> so what's your first good love? Uh, I'll go ahead and knock this one out because we brought it up on our uh, last episode. Um, actually, yeah, actually pretty cool use of lighting and, um, camera angles and like the whole found footage style. Like sometimes those type of movies are a little gimmicky for me. Like I really (laughs) at the time appreciated Blair Witch, but like if I go back now and watch it, I'm like, God, it's kind of drags on a little bit and it's kind of a little silly. Um, but it definitely pioneered this found footage genre and, um, and this film combines, because like a lot of the movies we were talking about on the last episode were just, you know, regularly shot films with mm-hmm. low lighting in them. And this film combines like the low light and this shaky footage where everything's yeah. kind of out of focus anyway and like fast paced and moving around and you can't really gain your bearings. Yeah, it's basically um, shot on GoPros. Yeah. And like that added in with the light mostly looking like it's their headlamp light. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely instances where you can probably see a bit better than you really would be able to if it was no other light in the room, but it's a cool combination. And there's like yeah. one scene where they turn off all their headlamps and the screen just goes completely dark. And I'm like, Oh, that's like a tense moment. Cause you don't know what's going to happen. Well, it's exactly what you were talking about on the last episode where you were saying that the, um, the imagination is going to be stronger than anything that they can show on the screen. Yeah. And for the most part, you're right with the headlamps and stuff. But it, what I liked about the headlamps, um, excuse me, what I liked about the headlamps was that it, it, it brought that unknown so close. Like, this is not like you can't see into the next room. It's like you can only see the next three feet. It's like you're playing Resident Evil. Like, you know, yeah. like I'm fucked. I'm fucked. Yeah, these are not particularly bright headlamps by any means. So it was kind of a cool way of combining those two, like, film styles to honestly create a really tense movie. Are my goods creating a long list of bads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It keeps reminding me of stuff. 
So what else you got? Because you, I, I already had headlamps. Um, which this is probably on your goods too, because it's something we talked about. But the characters were actually pretty interesting, yes. and they took the time up front to establish them as very unique individuals and kind of yes. give you a feel of what their chemistry was with each other and that was kind of cool like you got like a especially between george and scarlet yeah. like that like was you, such a unique couple yeah like you got a cute moment of them um like in that clock tower together and kind mm-hmm. of establishing like his irritation with her and like you don't really up front realize that they had a fling until like a little bit later, and it's like, oh yeah, they definitely dated. Mm-hmm. At first, it's kind of like maybe they did, and then it's like, oh, they definitely did. Yeah. But yeah, you get like a cool feel for like they really care about each other, but he's also still really mad at her, and she totally <laughs> screwed him over. And then she sent him to a Turkish jail. <laughs> and then the group that they they were hilarious, by the way. Like I, I, before they even went into the tunnels, like everybody had like a oh that's a funny you know line mm-hmm. kind of moment like an endearing thing which pulls you immediately into the character yeah. my only flaw which we'll talk about in the bads is they developed these guys so well and then didn't really use any of it any of that in the end you yeah, know which that's in my bads too you've so. created a gun you've created Chekhov's gun and then you've stabbed me while I was looking at Chekhov's gun <laughs> But I like, too, that the, the little ragtag tag group that they hire, like, kind of all have unique personalities, mm-hmm. too, and you kind of get a feel for that. And, like, Benji at first, like, the camera guy's the only one you don't really get a sense of, and I like that when they actually get into the tunnels, he puts individual cameras on a couple yeah. of the characters, and you, like, finally get to see what he looks like, and, like... That's nice because I feel like in a lot of found footage type movies, mm-hmm. you don't get to spend much time with the camera holder. No. And introducing multiple cameras made it where you kind of got to see everybody a little bit. Well, the cameras did a lot of things. Um, because they were using the main camera and these GoPro cameras, that happens to you twice in this film where you get to see the camera holder. Because you were trying to count the people that were still alive and had forgotten about main camera. And it had been passed off to Zed, I believe, at that point. Yeah, but point. they don't show him picking it up is why it confused me. Yeah. I was like, who? cat, leave it alone. We're being an asshole, Winston. Because, like, at that point, like, people are dying. And I was like, who in that moment would yeah. have picked up the camera and kept carrying that dead weight? Like, I would have been like, nah, let's but, get out of here. But it's a... a it, I don't want to say ingenious, because I'm sure it's been, you know, done before at some level. A way of getting these multiple shots so you're not Blair Witching it with the camcorder the entire time. Mm-hmm. You get several different angles, but you've established that. You've established that you need batteries. God knows you established we needed batteries, water, and food. <laughs> that was the thing I wrote down in my bed, so okay. we're going to come oh. back around to that. <laughs> but, um, no, I thought it was a very, you know, careful explanation and execution of the camera changes. I thought that was pretty brilliant. Yeah. And uh, I think, honestly, maybe the first found footage film I've ever... Eh, yeah, I think the first found footage film I've ever watched where there were, like, multiple cameras established, yeah. like, for Outside a Outside of, like, reason. paranormal activity where they've yeah, got individual and, and, yeah. rooms. And, like, I, I don't know. The first paranormal was pretty cool, but that's another one where it gets yeah. old fast because the cameras are all stationary, and it's kind of nice to have... Not just the camera holder, but like the camera physically on the body. Because there's a cool shot too where she loses her headlamp and you see her running away Mm -hmm. from the headlamp's perspective. And then 
she grabs it again later because there's a light attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a practical reason to pick the camera back up because she needs the light. Yeah. She's not so, using it like her iPhone. Like, yeah. I need to put this on Instagram live. She's yeah. like, I can't fucking see down here. So like, I, I appreciated that, that they weren't just like cameras for the sake of cameras. They were essential pieces of the movie. Yeah. Because it was literally attached to the headlamp. <laughs> we should do, uh, we should watch a few more found footage and try to see what the tropes are and where the failures are in them and maybe do like a deep dive in a later episode into some found footage stuff. I'll be down. Gotta yeah. do, gotta do the Blair Witch because it's Blair where, Witch. It's the OG. The first Paranormal Activity. I will stomach the second one just <laughs> for comparison reasons. I hated all of those. Um, not not a big fan of found footage ones, but what they did with the cameras here, I could I think, really respect it. If I'm not mistaken, because I have seen it, but it's been a long time. I think Quarantine was kind of a found footage film as well, so that might be worth watching. Because you said they worked on yeah, it the also. Same team. So that might be one worth watching because. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but if I'm remembering right, it's a group of people locked in a house and there's like monsters or zombies or something in the house and it's like dark and like (laughs) they have cameras and stuff too. Well, the house has been like quarantined by the government, if I'm remembering right. That's why it's called quarantine because there's been a weird outbreak in the house. Yeah, that's kind of movie I want to watch in the middle of COVID. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if I'm remembering right, it's a found footage style film too. So, because I think one of the characters is a reporter, yeah, and she gets locked in the house with all the other people because there's been an outbreak in the house. So, should definitely watch that one at the very least and see if it's I'm down similar to this one, better or worse. You know, I'm completely down. I want to do like studies. I'd be going off topic here for a second, but I want to be able to do like studies of different types of approaches to it and then see where we can blend those approaches. Cause there's definitely a way to blend this form of camera movement with a more narrative perspective behind the camera. But that's more for something that's not a two star Tuesday. That sounds like a Friday episode. What do you got next? My love. Um, I like, which this will probably come up in my bads. Um, <laughs> I like that they have these individual sins that each character has and they take the time to kind of develop what each person like did wrong. And that's like the horror that they're facing while they're in hell. So you have um, Scarlet, whose father was like very depressed and suicidal and he called her the night that he killed himself and she didn't answer the phone, like refused to talk to him and then he killed himself. So she never kind of got any closure or anything with him. Um, George, whose brother got stuck and was like drowning in a cave and George went to go get help and didn't come back fast enough and his brother died. So he, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that, but he blames himself for his brother's death. And then, um, uh, Zed, these are the only three that they like confirm for you in the movie. Zed has a baby that he denies and refuses to take care of and, you know, abandon his baby mama. Uh, We'll get into the other characters when we do the bads because I, I have a bit of a quarrel with it. But I, I do think that it's interesting that they had these little moments because then you see um, Scarlett's father hanging a couple of times throughout mm-hmm. the movie. And you um, see George's brother drowning. And uh, I don't know if Zed has any hallucinations, but the other characters have hallucinations that kind of like lend to maybe what their sins are. So I like that each character had this unique trauma that was haunting them while they were in hell. Yeah. I just, I wish they'd done a bit more with it, but we'll get to that later. 
I'm sorry. I, I, I got a text message, dang, and it, it scared me, and it threw me out of it. So, <laughs> I'm sure that was a good point. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. I tried, but the ding scared the fuck out of me. Um, I loved that there was a clever use of an established area. That's something that we talk about on here quite often. Um <laughs> where we've talked about the difficulties of shooting inside of our apartment because we've got such limited space. In this one, um, they they use almost the same like handful of sets because you can tell that, yes, they got permission to use the catacombs, these specific areas of the catacomb. Yeah. And um, so they had to come up with new and interesting ways to tackle those same things and they sometimes they do it through acceleration sometimes they do it by like mirroring what's inside of the set yeah but they they play with the little bit of space that they have they didn't shy away they didn't make the shots boring as you moved through yeah and um real quick before we deep dive into that um i want to throw out one last good that i have and then i'm going to kind of dive into that because that's where my circles of hell comes in fuck yeah um my last little like side good is I like that whenever Scarlett and George are doing the actual like tour um, with the tour guide of the catacombs, you see a character that tells them to go find Papillon, mm-hmm. and then that character comes back later as <laughs> Papillon's torment and hell. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So the use of the space because uh, I, I wrote that as my major good. Um, I really, that's probably my favorite thing about this movie, appreciate the fact that there is this allusion to this journey through hell and that they, it wasn't just like, oh, we're going into hell and everything's terrible and it's awful. There was actually time and care taken with what each level of hell meant and Mm -hmm. like a visual representation of it for these characters. So um, I only have a couple of them listed, but I thought they were all super cool. Um... So the first circle of uh, hell in Dante's Inferno is Limbo. Yeah. And that's where they find Latoupe, or Toop, or however you pronounce it. And he's, um, which I wish they had played with it a bit more, but he's essentially like a lost soul stuck in limbo in hell and can't get out. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was cool that they had, like I said, like little like visual representations of certain levels of yeah. hell. So. Um, the fourth level is greed and that's where they find the fake treasure and also what you find out later is the fake philosopher's stone. Mm-hmm. So that was a sick trick. <laughs> yeah. So it's like really cool. Cause they like go to take the treasure that's set up to be yeah. fake and then the and whole so thing does she, ultimately. In. Yeah. And yeah. And she takes the stone, which she ends up finding out later. Um, yeah. Isn't oh. really the philosopher's stone. Most Disney-esque ending to a horror film. <laughs> Uh, but I like that. I like that the Philosopher's Stone in the end means more and that it's not actually a thing because her life's mission was to find the stone and take the stone and it's not a thing anybody can take because you yeah. can't leave if you take it. Mm-hmm. So it's a internal thing instead of a physical treasure that you can take. So I, I like that that's in the fourth circle, which is greed. Because um, yeah. it represents all of their individual greed. Like George and Scarlet want the stone and the other guys want the treasure. Um, the seventh circle is violence and that's where Suxi dies. Um, and that's a representation of violence against your neighbor is what I, like whenever I was looking it up, yeah. they said it represented, um, cause, uh, Latou is the one who kills her, like bashes her head in and then also. That's one of my good. <laughs> Do you want to dive into that? Yeah. Latou offed that bitch. 
<laughs> like we knew she was gonna die. <coughs> Kristen was curled up in a ball, going, "Don't touch him! Don't touch him! Don't touch him!" And I mean, anybody would have known better. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, he's gonna kill her, but like, he's not gonna do what he did." I mean, this motherfucker lashes out like a pit bull and just grabs her by the back of the head and starts beating her fucking brains in. And it was so fast and so violent and it was like, holy shit. And the makeup after, like she's yeah. dead, like her face is like swollen and bruised, like really awesome makeup job on that. He took her the fuck out. <laughs> but I'll let you get back to your circles, I'm sorry. Um, and then also, while they're still in the seventh circle, which is violence, Scarlet sees her dead dad hanging, mm-hmm. which is violence against self. And then um, the eighth circle is fraud. And we'll get into this into the bad. But uh, <laughs> that's the circle that Benji dies in. But this was really cool. That, um, or I feel like I didn't really realize it until I was like reading about it. So Benji is in the eighth circle at the top of yeah, the well. But and they've they all, all gone down the well. Yeah, they've yeah. all gone down the well. And Benji is in the eighth circle, which is fraud. Benji is shoved down the well. Falls into the next circle very fast. Yeah. (laughs) This ghostly woman figure that's carrying a baby, and she throws him into the ninth circle, which is treachery, and that's where he dies. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um... We'll get into that in the bad. Mm -hmm. There was, like, speculation that Benji betrayed his lover, who Mm -hmm. uh, he fathered a child with, or, like, you know, committed fraud against her, like, betrayed her in some way, and that was why that was his death, because he goes from fraud and is thrown into treachery where he dies. So I thought that was a really cool imagery. And then while they're also in treachery, um, uh, George sees his drowning brother, Danny, who, you know, he blames himself for having abandoned, which, again, I mixed feelings about that, but whatever. And then Papillon sees the burning man in the car, and it's also the circle that Papillon dies in mm-hmm. because he betrayed whoever the person in the car was. And then, I don't know if this is like a bit of a biblical stretch, but George is bitten by one of the zombies in the same circle. And yeah. um, according to several things that I read, it's a representation of Cain and Abel. So the brother is taking the life of the other brother. Yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. Because yeah. <laughs> he was um, right there with his brother. If they were going to do it, that would have been the moment. I mean, his relationship with his brother could be seen as a Cain and Abel, but he was running to get help. He didn't... Yeah, and that's why I have a bit yeah. of a problem with his sin, but... I don't know, whatever. He blamed well, himself re- for it. It's a regret more than it yeah, is a Yeah, he blamed himself yeah. for it, and I feel like maybe his own grief is part of what carried mm-hmm. him there. But anyway, um, so yeah, they, they travel through all these circles of quote-unquote hell until they get into the actual hell, and then everything is mirrored in reverse, so there's this really cool play on. It's the exact same setup. Mm-hmm. They basically just do it all in reverse, except for for some reason they go down the well again instead of up the well the yeah. second time. But yeah, I, like I like thought that was like honestly one of the coolest things about the movie is they have to go through hell twice because they get down into the chamber and then go into hell and then everything is after the uh, roof collapses and they mm-hmm. have to go um, into the other area. Like everything is the same but backwards. Yeah. And they have to redo the whole fucking thing again. <laughs> Only it's much more terrifying the second time around. I, I fucking loved it. I, I loved that final shot, too, where they're coming down and then they come right back out into the world. And it's, and it's like, upside down. Yeah. It's like, so here we are now. We're back on Earth, the ultimate hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're in France. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I do like that, that they 
inverted all of it and even at the end when they're escaping it's like they're climbing down into hell and then ending up right side yeah. up and are like on earth again so cool use of very limited space no, i'm a big fan uh, i've got three more i added one while you were talking there have it um my first one that was on my uh, my initial list here is they deal with some large concepts and they explain them without making the audience feel like an idiot because they've got all these other people and they're um, Scarlett and George are super smart and the rest of these guys are not, you know, 21-year-old PhDs. So, you know, they're the everyman for the most part. And so when they're explaining these larger concepts, you believe them when they turn to explain, no, this is what happened in, you know, the Inferno, or here's what happened in the Bible, or, you know, they kind of look over the shoulder and they're like, hey, dear audience, in case you're lost, here's who that guy laying there in the big cross shirt is, you know. Um, they don't make you feel dumb Yeah. while they go about it. They're not preaching to you. They're just explaining as they go along these pretty big concepts, unless, like, you're cultured and you're not an American. Um, <laughs> in which case, you probably were able to follow it and you felt like they were preaching to you, but we don't live in France, so we've no fucking... We, we, no fucking clue. <laughs> um, my next one is how much laughter I got out of Zed trying to explain what his sin was. Oh, God. If you had as much difficulty as Kristen and I did, you rewound that maybe ten times like we did, and you kept coming up with, for me, um, okay, I wait, drove wait, wait. a limo... Wait, 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 Let's preface this with Zed is a French actor with a very thick accent... Like and, a French-Haitian actor. And yeah. the other two characters by the end of the film that are still left are both Americans. Well, I don't know if the girl is supposed to have an American accent. She sounds maybe a bit British. But yeah. the other two characters have very light accents at best. <laughs> so you can very clearly understand what they're saying. And then when he admits his sin... What Zed was trying to say, if you were confused, because we, we paused the movie after rewinding it ten times. Kristen was Google sitting it. in front of the speaker going, what the fuck is he saying? We had to Google What it. he is saying is that basically he has a bastard son that he never took care of. What it sounds like is, I drove a limo, I knew it was my birthday, and I have no <laughs> What was it you thought he was saying? I couldn't, because he says two sentences. He says, I have a son that I've never met. And then he says, I deny him, but I know he's mine or something along those lines. So it's two separate sentences. And you got, I know I, he's mine. No, I couldn't for the life of me figure out what the first sentence was. <laughs> I thought the second sentence was, I didn't eat it. I knew it was mine. <laughs> it was I like, was like... Did he eat his kid? And here I am thinking this dude feels bad because he worked on his birthday as a limousine driver. <laughs> well, you were talking about birthdays and I thought he was like refusing to eat something that was his. So I was like, maybe somebody made him a cake and he was like, fuck that cake, I'm not eating it. It was my birthday, but the cake wasn't mine. I had no fucking clue what he was trying to say. Yeah. It was the single greatest moment in horror dialogue history. And we've got it on recording and we should definitely... Drop that recording when we release this episode. Um, and then my last good... I have one more after you're done. What is it? No, you can go ahead. Well, mine's stupid. What's yours? Um, it's on the level of the happy birthday situation. <laughs> um, I forgot about this. I had it on a side note going up the page because I ran out of room. Um, 
So when they're going through like the little tunnel that they're having to like straddle the two, uh, like, uh, like alcoves on the side because yeah. there's water in the middle. Like that, that was another thing I was reading that it was a representation of like being ferried into hell. Mm-hmm. And then the second time around when everything's in reverse and she goes back through, it's all blood and the souls that are like in the yeah. blood are like trying to drag her down with the blood, and she's like crawling through the blood, like being drowned and choked by it. It was just really cool imagery because <laughs> it was like the literal damned souls, like yeah. trying to pull her down with them. Like she's going through the river. I can't remember what the name of the river is. I can't either offhand, but just cool imagery again. You know what else is cool imagery? What? My final good. <laughs> Punch those demons, oh, bitch. No. Why is that on your good? <laughs> Why is it on your good? Because the same reason the happy birthday thing should be in my bads, but it's in my goods. Is she, she didn't punch him, she, she palmed him. She fucking face mushed <laughs> demons. Yeah. She was he was like, was, go fuck yourself. She and then I, I laughed. I was almost in tears, and I was still giggling ten minutes later when she runs back through. The same demon jumps back up, and she hits him a second time, and I was fucking losing my shit. I was falling apart on the couch. I was like, she's just out here punching demons. (laughs) She's like, fuck you, and go fuck yourself. It's like me walking through Walmart in the middle of the coronavirus. Like, I need need flour. (laughs) I think that was my favorite part about that, that she didn't punch them, she face palmed them. It was like, goodbye. She she was like, your nose belongs in your brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's in my bads, but it was a little funny. All right, well, we'll use it as your first bad. Tell me why that's not the greatest shit ever. (laughs) Because I think at the point that we hit that part of the movie, the movie has jumped ship a little bit. What is she supposed to do, juke them? (laughs) Left step, right step, (laughs) fuck off. It wasn't... It wasn't necessary to show. Oh, we them definitely jump ship. No, definitely. Yeah, like it wasn't necessary to show them attacking her at all. And if you were going to, you could have done it a little bit more seriously. It looked almost like a video game that we were playing, <laughs> where it was like my perspective, and I'm doing the cheesy one-player video game, and yeah. I punched the zombie or That's what whatever. We were talking about it's like when I play Doom, and you're like freaked out, yeah. and I'm just sitting over there like die, punch die, you. you cunt, you're dead. Yeah, and that's what it felt like. Like, that whole sequence of her, like, panic running mm-hmm. um, to put the stone back felt so rushed for me. Like, the movie itself played out really nicely, and the ending just felt like it was slammed together. And, like, I get she's, like, freaking out. Her boo is on the ground, bleeding out, you know, about to yeah. die. So she's like, oh, I gotta fix this, rush back, and then rush back again a second time. And it just felt so, like silly and like a video game almost to me that like i don't know, like the movie at, <laughs> I mean, that, at point that point totally jumped ship. It, had, it had already jumped ship it, it had by far jumped ship can we get into how it jumped ship sure um i don't know where you're going with that but sure <laughs> yeah um for starters we did not need to see the grim reaper that close so i read some stuff on that i agree i read some stuff on that i feel like if they had if this is the actual representation, um, which this is... You know, I think we're in agreement. Almost all of this is coming from the last 20 minutes. All the bads for oh, the yeah. most part. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Um, which a lot of the stuff that I was reading today is like viewers' representation or like their perspective that they took of it. So I don't know that this is what the filmmakers were thinking, yeah. to be fair. Um, I do feel like this is a cool thought. Just very poorly executed if this is where they were going with it. So... It's not the Grim Reaper, it's Satan, 
on his throne in the final circle because the final circle is you mm-hmm. know where Satan you gotta is. Yeah, crawl down Satan. Yeah, by, so by punching his demons out. He he looks like a weird Grim Reaper in a KKK outfit um, yeah. that was black, you know. But uh, like the thing that I read was like saying it was you know Satan on his throne and that whenever they show the up close of his face, which. It's so quick, I don't think that I would have caught that if that's what they actually had in mind. Half of his face was disfigured, and the other half, like, was, like, baby-like almost. Yeah. And um, it's supposed to be a representation of Lucifer's fall from grace, so the half of his face that's disfigured represents his... Yeah, that's a stretch. Hang with me. Okay. <laughs> hang with me. Represents, you know, his fall from grace and his descent into hell, and then the other half is supposed to be like childlike and innocent because he was, you know, God's angel at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like his angelic half that's like, you know, where he came from. But if that is what the filmmakers had in mind, which it, it leans so heavily into Dante's Inferno that I don't find that too far fetched, honestly. Yeah. Just very poorly executed. If that's really what they had in mind, like you know that could have been that done. Felt like in the trivia section was like somebody that was in the writer's room going, okay, well, here's what the first draft looked like. (laughs) Here's the poetics behind it. Yeah, and like the problem with the Satan figure, the Grim Reaper figure, whatever he was supposed to be for me, is that the figure did nothing. Like there's a cool shot. He was awesome when he was at the end of the hallway. Yeah, and that was cool because they were hiding from him and he's this like ghostly, like almost like smoky figure Mm -hmm. that hasn't really realized they're there yet. But then they spend like five fucking minutes in this room where his chair is and it's just a plain chair it's not a throne yeah and he's just sitting there the whole time and then he stands up at the end and looks at them and that's the most dramatic thing satan himself does it's like he's not really what is it his weekend off like what's he doing (laughs) i thought he was supposed to be torturing people for all eternity like the zombie bit dude's throat satan was like have fun guys good luck with it (laughs) i'll be here do you yeah, have any questions? A, I don't mind that he was there. It was just so poorly executed. Like, if he was going to be that useless, there was no point to him. Yeah. So, that's my gripe about it. It could have been cooler. Just sometimes so you just, rushed at you, the end. As you said, with the lighting situation, sometimes you need to leave shit up to the imagination. Leave him crawling on the outside, all put together that that's the devil. Yeah. And he doesn't care about you know, directly harming anybody. He's just allowing them to be harmed. Put him on the outskirt. I don't need to see him that close. Yeah. He turned around. I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> it's the same way when we watched the Bye Bye Man, that goddamn dog. It's like the dog looked cool peeking through the door. Why dog is, did not look cool looking right Satan's at you. Satan's hood so pointy? Oh, like, was Satan in the KKK? He's the white devil. <laughs> like, I was like, why is he dressed that way? It looks stupid. <laughs> so what are you, the Pope of Bullshit? <laughs> 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 what's your what's your first bad my love uh i mean we've knocked out two of mine but while we're talking about the rushing through the ending when the fuck did she lose her shoes i forgot all about the shoes like she has these big ass knee high like water boots on <laughs> for most of the film because that's a joke they make like george is like walking through the water and he's like i wish i had boots on and she's like well i offered you some because he kept trying to yeah. say he didn't want to go and then she's... she just says fuck all types of coverings for my toesies yeah like they're not like calf rain boots they're like knee high yeah like she's going fishing boots or some shit yeah. and then for some reason she's strip dancing in the bio bayou. like i don't, <laughs> they don't show it i don't know 
enough when she's crawling through the river of blood, they steal her shoes from her or what happens, but she has no shoes at the end of the movie and she had very large boots on for most of the movie. So I would like to know when the fuck she lost her shoes and is that supposed to be some biblical reference too? Like, why does she have no shoes at the end? Because <laughs> you only cross barefoot. barefoot? Ugh. Don't ever walk barefoot in Paris. <laughs> um, my next bad which we kind of touched on earlier, but I didn't know if you wanted to mess with it. Benji's guilt is so loosely implied that we had to find it on the internet. Like most of the characters are. And yeah, that's my biggest gripe, honestly. Yeah. I feel like... With Don't it, drive a limo on your birthday, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and th- this will probably be my last. I've got a couple of silly gripes, but this will be my last big gripe because um, it's my major one for the whole movie. Like, you... Get a sense of Scarlet, George, and Zed. And I I think George's guilt is more, or George's sin is more just his guilt on the matter. Because I don't feel like George's, like George going to get help and not getting back fast enough is not a sin for me. Like his brother died because he was a young, scared kid and he couldn't help his brother himself, had to go get help and his brother drowned in the meantime. That's not a sin. Like, and Scarlet, not... Answering her dad's phone call, I don't think is really a sin either. It's a little insensitive, but she didn't say, hey, go kill yourself. Yeah. Um, so Zed's the only one that's kind of a douche in this final instance. Um, you know, he has a kid that he's like, fuck that. And even that, I'm like, I don't know if that's a hell-worthy sin, is it? I mean, you're just an asshole. But the other characters, like, I literally, like, yeah, it was, like, crawling through the internet, like, explain this to me. <laughs> like, Benji is maybe potentially you know, betrayed a woman that he had a baby with, uh, Papillon, maybe potentially abandoned a dude to burn to death in a car because yeah. he's got a little burn on his hand. But I don't So know. much of it felt like it was just there to push the film. Yeah. And like Suxy, like, died a violent death because maybe she was a violent person, but we never established she's violent at any point in the movie. So, like, these are all, like, maybes and what ifs. And at no point, because the ending is so rushed, do you get closure on any of these characters. And it's the most like obnoxious with Benji in particular because Scarlet and Benji are friends. Yeah. This is someone she knows, someone that's like, you know, been filming stuff with her and knows her as a person. And we don't get closure on what happened to Benji, what was Benji's mistake that Benji made. And the end of the movie, in my opinion, ends up being preachy because the three characters that survive only survive because they confess their sins. And then it's, Easy to get out of hell. They're yeah. fine after and these that. These are not like saw level sins. These are not like I ran a woman over while I was drunk driving and kept driving. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and like all they have to do is admit that they made a mistake and their whole rest of their journey to get out of hell completely unencumbered. They're not like harassed or chased. None of them almost die again. Like it's fine. Jump through the tunnel and then push the manhole and then we're out and free. And you don't get closer for any of the other characters who. I don't know what their sins were. I don't know if they were atrocious enough to be killed for. And worst of all, the characters didn't have a chance to realize that they were supposed to repent. So it wasn't like, admit you made a mistake. And they were like, no, fuck you. Like, Benji died just because. Like, Benji didn't, like, have a chance to be like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And neither did Suxy. Suxy was trying to comfort her dead friend and be like, oh, are you okay? Like, what's going on with you? Got her face smashed in. And then, like... The only one that you're kind of like, maybe, is Papillon, because he's, like, trying to get away from the dead dude in the car, and he's like, no, save me, you know? Like, you don't get a chance for any of these characters. Did you Molotov that guy? Like, what the fuck? 
Yeah. And like you don't get a chance for any of these characters to even have a chance to either choose to repent or, you know, die because they refuse to acknowledge their own sin. So it's like, is that really like a justified punishment? Isn't the point of punishment to teach you the error in your ways? Like you don't get closure with any of the characters that died. Those bastards. Yeah. And it's like frustrating because it's like, I don't know why they died. I don't know what they did wrong. And worst of all, I don't know that they know what they did wrong. No. The, the, the whole premise at the end fucking falls apart. And I think that's why I got sunk by the critics. Probably. Yeah. The last 20 is. It's rough. And it's a bummer. Cause but it's the upside is. Movie. And this is my last. Uh, no, I've got two. Uh, the last 20 minutes sucks. And uh, for 15 of those 20 minutes, George is just bleeding out of his carotid artery. He survived so long. <laughs> I had to Google search. I was like, is it possible? Because in my military training, they were like, that happens. You've got like five seconds to get your shit together. And there's next to nothing. <laughs> you apply pressure, but you apply pressure the Blood is either not leaving the brain or not going to the brain. You're fucked. You're fucked the second that that thing's completely gone. That demon, like, ripped that completely out of his body. And they just pushed a towel to his neck. And then she went all the way back out of the circles of hell and all, all the, the way, way back, back in. into the circles of hell. She punched two demons, met Satan, fucking, like, like all this shit. stood and apologized yeah. to her father. Came back and he, George has got, like, three drops of blood on his chest. And he's just like, hey, love, do you, do you find the philosopher's stone? To, and she's like, that's within me. You know? <laughs> yeah, he lived way longer yeah. than he uh, If you are ever bit by a demon... And it severs your carotid artery. Just, you've got about five seconds to be like, uh, I love you, and then you're going to die. <laughs> he didn't even black out. Like, no. he was like <laughs> and the worst part is they had no food, water, or batteries, and somehow they made it out. <laughs> no food, water, Some, or batteries. Somehow they made it out. <laughs> they like, make such an ordeal of that. If you don't have food, if you don't have water, if you don't have batteries, you're going to die. They're like, oh, let's conserve the batteries, and then it never becomes relevant Never again. becomes an issue. Ever like, at any point. Zombies biting on you, like, biting you on the throat was never a thing that they were like, hey, you might watch, want to out, watch for out for that. the zombies. <laughs> no, my final bad is um, there's a shitload of emphasis early in the film put on the cult, especially the cult leader. And then that never comes up ever again. They don't pass her at the end of the film walking down the street. They don't close that loophole. They don't notice it. When they have to climb back through the bones and they're like, oh, shit's backwards. What happened to the hallway See, that led yeah. me to naked titty Yeah, group? that is my most frustrating thing. Like, they, like all the stuff I read was, like, saying the chick that's, like, the cult leader was, like, a representation of the woman that Benji has wronged. And that's yeah. why he kept seeing her specifically. But, yeah, that's my biggest irritation with this film. And, like, I told Brett that so many times. I was like, if I was in that situation, I would have been like, hold up, hold up, something's wrong. This isn't the same room because they climb. They have two options to climb through the bone tunnel or to go into the walled up room that Papillon is like, no, fuck that. If you want to go that way, you're going without me because it's evil. I'm not doing yeah. it. And before they entered that room, they walked through a still very open, giant cave-like room where on the other side of a sliver in the wall, they see these naked women doing some weird cult worship thing. So all connected to the same room mm -hmm. before they climb through the bone tunnel is the naked women cult room. 
And then they climb through the tunnel, <laughs> which is a separate room that collapses, and then they get through that, and they're like, oh, fuck, we can't go back that way. It's collapsed, but wait a minute, we're back we in the same space. We could go regroup with those ten other people that yeah. are like topless and just get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah, because the walled-up room is there, and they're like, well, did we go in a circle? What the fuck? This is still here? Like, I guess we have to go this way. This is the only way. And nobody took the time to be like, this is a, like closed off room we didn't go in a circle where did the cult women go like i would have been like fuck no we're digging through this collapsed tunnel and going back that way because some weird shit's going on there are no naked women in this room yeah and that's always a problem in my life when there once were naked women and then there are no naked women i'm always confused and frustrated you got any more bads my love nope that was my last you want to go eat some sketty chill the fuck out i do all right i love you i love you And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Friday. You gonna do bad with the bone? No. I'm on a new new song.